Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Man, Holy Spirit lit me up during worship. Anybody else? I was like, whoo, Brent, can we just thank God for Brent to you guys? He is so faithful. He's always there. He's just always saying yes to the Lord, and I love that about him. All right. So we're going to talk today about Psalm 84. And I always tell you, you know, God and I have a conversation. Thank you for leaving this just in case I need it. Um, I always tell you, you know, that I have a conversation with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to your kids today, right? I was kind of um, Matt wasn't feeling good. He was going to originally preach today, and I was kind of trying to wiggle my way out of it because I knew I had to do worship. And I thought, well, Lord, we'll just have an extra long throne room is what I was thinking, right? Then we don't have to switch. And all of a sudden, I looked at the first truth piece, and I hadn't heard back from Donna, and I was thinking I was going to do that. Well, it talks about Psalm 84, and then Father God, Holy Spirit basically is like, look it up. So I looked it up, and as I was reading it, I was reading it in the Passion Translation. I was reading it in the NIV. I was reading it in the CEB, the ASV, every version, Amplified, the Jewish Bible. And every single version, something different jumped out at me. And I just felt like he wanted us to take a minute and um, talk through some of those things. Because this is the psalm for Savan. You guys see that Okay. All right. So in Psalm 84, 1 and 2, and I'm primarily going to be look, using the Amplified Version because then I don't have to look up all the Greek and go over all that with you. This kind of does it for you, okay? But I think this is so good. It says, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul, my life, my inner self longs for and greatly desires the courts of my Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the loving God. So I'm reading this verse, and I've read this many times in different versions, but this is the first time I've studied it in the Amplified. And when I read, how lovely are your dwelling places, it's like that song we were singing earlier today. Father God said, that's how I see you. That's how I see you. You're my dwelling place. So it's like he's saying that over you. How lovely are my dwelling places. And I've had this back thing, you know, the enemy, you know, the prophetic words last week about the giving birth. I was like, this is no joke. What's funny is it was confirmed through the EMT. Cammie ended up calling the EMT. My back got so bad one night I couldn't walk from my bedroom to the bathroom, and apparently I passed out. I don't even remember it. So Jamar is so sweet. He's in the front trying to help me, and she's from behind me trying to help me, but he got me in the wrong position. And I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to be like, let go, or I would have been very firm because it hurt so bad. I didn't say nothing. I was like, wait, stop, stop. And she said I was down, passed out. So it's the first time my daughter's ever seen something like that happen to me, right? So she calls the EMT. Well, I wake up, I don't even know, I passed out, and I start crawling to the bathroom because i got to go. <laughs> I 
She's like, Mom, 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 you passed out. I said, why are you crying? She's like, you passed out. I said, no, I didn't. She's like, yes, you did. I was like, well, it does hurt that bad. But uh, so I'm laying on the bathroom floor, and God's got a good sense of humor. The EMT was real cute. <laughs> I was like, seriously, Lord. So I'm trying not to crack jokes, and I'm laying face down on the tile floor, and I'm thinking, I wish I'd cleaned my bathroom. <laughs> He's like, well, do you want us to take you to the hospital? And I felt like Holy Spirit said, no. I said, no, I don't want you to take the hospital. He says, well, do you want us to put you up on the toilet? You can go to the bathroom. I said, there's no way in this God's green earth that you're going to put me on that toilet and help me go to the bathroom. I'm like, no. God is going to help me. He goes, okay, why don't we do this? Roll over, and I'm gonna, we're going to stick a sheet up underneath your arms because my back was totally out. And I was thinking about, you know, labor because of all the prophecies that we've broken through. We've given birth to something, and that that's what that represented as the labor in the body of Christ and the bride of Christ last week when we talked about that. So the girl, it's a girl and a guy, MT, they, EMT, they get it up under my arms like that, and then he goes, we're going to yank on three, one, two, and they start yanking, and I just let out a yelp because it was going to hurt. I knew it was going to hurt. My whole lower back crunched up like this, and I, um, I couldn't help it. I had to lean on him, and I was like, thank you for making him cute, Lord. <laughs> but I was so, it was so humbling, right, because I couldn't even stand by myself, and tears are coming down my eyes, and I'm trying not to be unkind to them, you know. And he says, you did good, darling. It's not quite as bad as labor, is it? And immediately, the Lord reminded me of the word from Sunday last week. Immediately. And I thought, well, it's worse than the labors I had. It was almost like giving birth to triplets, you know, because it kept going and going. I was in my bed three days. And the Lord just kept speaking to me about the prophetic words that came through you all last week. That my bride has given birth. And these pains that I was feeling are mimicking the birth pains of the nation that were birthing something forth. Even the prayers we prayed into today were coming out of the old and into the new. God's doing something. So I read this, O Lord of hosts, your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. And it was like he was saying to me and to you in that moment, how lovely are you, my dwelling place. And it was almost, I was thinking of like a, a groom and a bride when she's giving birth to a child. The husband kind of in the room, we heard Brent's story, and he, they feel kind of helpless, and what do I do? And they get the barking orders from the nurse or doctor sergeant, and they're trying to help, and they're not sure, right? It was almost like in that moment, I felt like Father God was standing next to the proverbial bride in the birthing chamber and just in the wreathing of the pain that we're all going through. He wanted you to know you're beautiful. And if anybody's ever had a baby, you know in the midst of the birthing process, you don't feel real pretty. You're sweating and your hair's every which way and you don't have your clothes on quite right and your personables are exposed. And the King of kings and Lord of lords wants to say to you today, in the midst of your mess, you are lovely. Doesn't that make you feel good? Blessed me so much. And I underlined this, O Lord of hosts. And when I read that, it was like he was reminding me, remember who I am. You feel weak. You feel vulnerable. You feel humbled right now. You're going through some things, but you're bringing something forth. But I need you to remember, I'm the Lord of hosts. Every angel heeds my beckoning and my call, my word and my whispers. You are not alone. 
There's a mighty army supporting you in this process, bringing it to fulfillment, going to prepare a place for this thing you're birthing in this hour. Amen? It goes on and it says, My soul, my life, and my inner self longs for you and greatly desires the courts of my Lord. And some of the things we've been going through, I was thinking about Lyra's prayer, it's so on point. Some of the things we've been going through are justice issues, like the month of Savan. This is a month of restoration. The things that have been stolen from us, we're getting them back, amen? So there's this desire in the heart of the bride as we're wreathing in pain to see justice come in certain areas. And it was like all of a sudden he shifts us from this birthing place where the loving king is saying you're lovely in the midst of the mess to this longing of the bride to say, I long for this thing that I see that's wrong to be righted. I long to be in your courts, Lord, because I know there there is love, there is justice, there is mercy, and you're in full authority to change all this stuff. It goes on and it says, my heart and my flesh sing for joy. When we're in the presence of the Lord, it's not just our spirit man that rejoices. It does edify our body physically. Our flesh even rejoices as it comes into submission or comes into his presence. I've been healed before just during worship on throne room nights. Where it's like, whoa, I feel so much better now that I leave. That's why when Moses went up to the top of the mountain, it says he glowed. When he came down, the glory of the Lord was all over him. He shined. He shone. The goodness and the grace and the beauty of the Lord was on his face. He had to actually cover it. Our flesh benefits from being in his presence, in the presence of the living God. So I continue to read, and it says this, the bird has found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. And when I read that, I thought, it was almost like Holy Spirit was saying, I care about even the tiniest animals. Remember, remember the verse in Matthew where it says, he causes the flowers to bloom and he makes sure that the bird has food to eat. And if he cares that much about them, how much more so about you, daughter? How much more so about you, son? It says, even at your altars, O, o Lord of hosts, there it is again. Even at your altars, even in those moments when we're crying out, bind me to the altar lest I kick against you. This birthing process, this thing that I'm bringing forth is painful and it's hard and it's humbling. But bind me, even at your altars. Keep me there. Let me find my home here. Let me find my comfort here. And it says, oh, Lord of hosts, I'm reminding myself that you are the Lord of hosts. And they beckon at your word. They hasten to perform your word. And a single word, if I cling to you, if I stay in this place, you will eventually release that word and it will be exactly as you say it will be. And it goes on and it says, my king, my God. It's almost like he's edifying himself in the Lord. You're the Lord of hosts, and you are my king. I submit to your rule. In other words, it's almost like the author is putting his flesh back in place. I know this is hard, but I will not move. I will not shift. 
I will not stop clinging to more of you because you are my king. You are my God. And sometimes when we're in the midst of something difficult and in that process of transformation, the litmus test of a true lover of Jesus, a true bride of Jesus is, will you cling? Will you say, you know, like, okay, last night, the, the pain started to move. So we had the embarrassing situation with the EMT, and then I'm, of course, having to lift my body with my arms, mostly my left arm because I get out of bed on this side. So this last, it would have been two days ago, and then yesterday, all of a sudden my left arm and my neck starts cramping up. And I mean, like I couldn't lift my arm. It's hanging like this. And I'm weeping. I'm, and it bothered me most when I was going to bed. So I'm just weeping and crying in the bed. I couldn't lay this way. It would pull and it would cramp. And then I couldn't lay this way. My dogs jump up on the bed. They're trying to comfort me. And I'm like, get away, right? Because it's making it worse. I can't roll over. I'm just crying and crying. And I start praying in tongues. And I'm crying and crying. I'm like, Lord, you said, Lord, you're this. This is who you are. You're good. You're faithful. You promised. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? What do you want from me? I'll give you whatever you want. Am I doing something wrong? And it was all of a sudden I got quiet after crying for about 45 minutes, honestly, okay, because I just couldn't get comfortable. It was like Holy Spirit said, remember who you are. But the pain was so strong, I couldn't remember in that moment. I was just wanted my daddy. I wanted my father. I wanted my husband to come and stop it, to stop the pain. And he said, Holy Spirit said, remember who you are. And I was like, Phew. it was like a rainbow word from the Lord. I'll tell you what, I went into Joan Hunter mode. Every cell, every tissue, every sinew in Jesus' name, I cast you before the throne of Christ and you may not return. Along with all trauma and associated cellular memory, I command you to go now. And I, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I started lifting my arm. I went to the sinews. I went to the cells. I went to the cartilage. I went to the muscles. I commanded the inflammation. Anything Holy Spirit brought up, I did it. And all of a sudden, my arm started to feel better. And sometimes we come into seasons where we're still wanting daddy to rescue us. And he's saying, baby girl, I've got you here because I need you to know who you are. Open your mouth and decree a thing and watch it shift. You're not a baby. Remember that song? He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He is alive. There comes a season when you've gone through the metamorphosis so many times that you're not a baby in a crib anymore. But Christ has been formed in you. And there's things that he would do for you in the last season that he wants you to partner with Holy Spirit to bring to pass in this season because you know how to hear and you've been taught and trained. And the more you practice it, the easier it'll be when he brings you someone else who has the same struggle that you're having right then. Does that make sense? So I repented, you know, and I was like, thank God I finally get to go to bed, <laughs> right? I was like, out, out. Kicked my dogs out into the living room, made them sleep out there so they didn't jump or lay on me and, you know, throw me back into a spasm. So he says, even at your altars, even when I'm in pain, O Lord of hosts, you have control. You are in control of all the supernatural things in the second heaven. Even Satan himself has to come report to you. You are my king. I bow to you and to you alone. You are my God. I worship you and you alone. Amen. Then it goes on in the next verse and says, 
blessed and greatly favored are those who dwell in your house and your presence. Turn your neighbor and say, just say this about yourself. Say, I am blessed and I am favored. Yes, you are. You know why? Because you dwell in the presence and in the house of the Lord. Every time you need something, he's always there because you are his home. Jehovah Shammah, Yudhe Shammah, the one who dwells within, the one who abides. It says, they will be singing your praises all day long. When we're in, when our eyes are focused on him, when I was going through that thing with my arm, it's like the pain was so strong for a minute, I got disoriented and I forgot, oh wait, he abides in me. The moment Holy Spirit reminded me of that and I could get my eyes off the circumstance and the pain that was, frankly, disorienting me, and I got back into his presence and remembered he abides in me, the Holy Spirit said, remember who you are, and I released the decree according to what he was showing me to do. Immediately peace came. Immediately joy returned. Immediately physical wholeness started to manifest. Love that. Blessed and greatly favored is the man or woman whose strength is in you. I did not feel strong the last two weeks, but my God is strong. I did not feel strong laying on the bed, freaking out, having a complete meltdown, but my God is strong. And I knew as I was praying in tongues, even while the pain was still going, that my God is strong and he was going to show a way out. And sometimes you don't know what the answer is, but that's why tongues is so beautiful. It edifies the physical body that you have, literally. And it, it, it's a supernatural language that surpasses and pierces through the second heaven into the third heaven, takes you right before your king of kings and your lord of lords. And all of a sudden, the revelation comes, and you know what he's saying, who he is, and what it is he wants you to do to shift that thing. It's really like a language of babies, if you will, right? I mean, it takes a childlike faith to enter into that place. And when we're praying in the spirit, we're really relying fully on Holy Spirit to communicate what we need because we don't know. And our strength is in him. We know that he's good. We know that he wants to get us out of this. We just don't know how. We're, not, we're missing something. So when we pray in the spirit like that, the Lord literally is our strength. We're not leaning on ourselves. And then it goes on and it says, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. Now this goes to that Song of Solomon piece that Donna was talking about earlier. And Isaiah talks about the highways of holiness. When I read this, I was reminded of the highways of holiness. And we sang a little bit about that today. That no beast will come before you guys got here. We were kind of doing our warm-up worship, you know. And sometimes Holy Spirit just hijacks it. And it's a lot of fun. And he did today. You know, we got this song about the highways of holiness and how no beast can come up on there. Because it's the highway of holiness. It has no right on the highway of holiness. Who is, by the way, Jesus in his finished work? Come on. That's why the author was saying, I long for your courts. Why? Because there I know I have an advocate. 
There I know I have one who finished the work for me. There I know I have a great defender and a loving father who sits as judge and has good plans for me and is ready to turn this thing around for the benefit of his own name's sake, but for the benefit of me, his adopted child, who he loves perfectly. Amen? Isn't that good news? Such good news. The author goes on in verses 6 and 7 in the Amplified Version of Psalm 84, and it says, passing through the valley of weeping, or baka. I just want to say this over us. Say this over yourself. Say, I'm just passing through. That's right. Anytime you're in a season of difficulty or pain or weeping or trials, you're just passing through. This too shall pass. The children of God, the adopted ones that are called to be kings and priests after, Mel after Melchizedek, our king and priest who is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father, we only pass through those things. Death couldn't hold Jesus down. Three days later. It's for a season. It's to accomplish an expected end. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before us, we endure the valleys of weeping until we come into more of his glory, more of his grace, more of his goodness, whatever that revelation is. For me that night, last night, it was into the place of healing. I mean, I couldn't even lift my arm. This is a miracle. Seriously. It was like this. And I would go like this, and it would, all this would tighten up all along my neck and my shoulder. It was like I had an ice pick in the back of my shoulder on my left side. But I was just passing through. Come on, somebody. And whatever it is for you, God wants you to know you're just passing through. You're going to the other side. That's right. Once you get that rhema word from the Lord and the revelation of what needs to happen, and it's just like we were talking about earlier, it's childlike faith. Just because it worked one way last time doesn't mean it's going to work that way again this time, and it's okay because we get to just be kids, like Brent said. We just get to be fun, joy-filled, loved children. And out of the childlike love for our fathers, praying in the spirit and looking for that word. And once we get it, it is finished. It is accomplished. It says when we go through the valley of weeping or baka, they make it a place of springs. Mm. We were talking about that today, weren't we? Being in the desert place and digging and digging and digging. Adopted ones, we persevere. We persist. We stay in it to win it. Come on, somebody. Why? Because we know our daddy. We know he's good. We know he's faithful. We know this is not for naught. We know he does not cause us to suffer because he's some kind of narcissistic God. He's a loving father. There's purpose in this pain. And it's bringing us closer to him if we will not be weary and well-doing. Right? Isn't that good? The spring, well done. The well's done, right? So for me, in regards to my healing and my arm and all that, well done, yes. Now I can drink deeply. I got my word. I got my healing. I got my revelation from my daddy. He's so good. Whatever that issue is in your life, I just feel like Father's saying the same thing. The well is done in his perspective because he's outside of time. It's already finished. You just keep on digging until you hit that place of the rhema and, those and the Holy Spirit will bubble up on the inside of you. It'll give you the revelation you need to come all the way through. 
to drink deeply and be completely refreshed. And it turns that desert situation into an oasis. And I love this part. Those who are passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with blessings, right? It says they go from strength to strength, increasing the victorious power. I was like, hey. You ever walk into a room or into a situation and you're different than you were before and the people in the room know it so they're not sure how to treat you? Anybody ever been there? Okay, congratulations. That means you're growing, right? Congratulations. It says we go from strength to strength in Christ. So now I'm in a totally different place in regards to the revelation of healing than I was before last night and before last week. Totally different place. I mean, tears streaming, just decreeing and declaring exactly what he said to say. But I know that 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 I know. Nobody's going to tell me any different now. Let's try and have that conversation. There's a whole new strength and a victorious confidence in me because of my relationship with Father God. Right? And same for you. Everything you have conquered, you've gone from strength where you were before to a new strength. Corinthians says we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Same idea. Increasing in victorious power. And just say this over yourself. Say, I am victorious. I am increasing in victorious power. Yes, you are. You know why? Because victory lives in you. There's one victor, and his name is Yeshua HaMashiach. And he lives on the inside of you. You always win when you cling to him. Always. It says, until each of us, each of them appears before God in Zion. Now, when you read Song of Solomon, it talks about the bride coming out of the desert, leaning on her beloved, getting to the place where the sacrifice, the love for him and the suffering doesn't even seem like a sacrifice anymore because she's gone from strength to strength. So many times she just knows this is just temporary and she's just passing through. She's just passing through. And she gets her eyes off the circumstances and gets the revelation and says, oh, devil, you're trying it again. But I know who my God is. I know who my husband is. I know who my father is. And he said it, and it's going to be exactly what he said. Because he is good, and he is not a man that he should lie. So I'm going to stay on this pilgrimage. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep climbing that mountain with my hands open wide, saying, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven and start with me. Start in me. Let me be a reflection of your glory. Let me be a reflection of your goodness. Let me be a reflection of your grace and your generosity and your love. At the end of Song of Solomon, it says she finally gets to the Lord, and they're up toward the top of the mountain. He says, come, my beloved, and sing with me and beckon them to come and see. I love what Chris Valentin says. He says, you know, a lot of people want to be promoted in the church, but they don't realize promotion means more responsibility. And I want to say thank you to those of you in our midst who said yes to the responsibility because I think sometimes people think promotion is just platform. That's not the case. It's more responsibility. 
But there are several of you in this room who you've not only said yes to the idea of promotion, but you've said yes to the cost. And I just want to say, the well is done. Well done. Your service has been meat to eat for others in the body of Christ. Well done. goes on in Psalm 84, 8 through 9, Amplified Version. It says, O Lord God of hosts, Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of heavenly hosts, the one who created all the angels, who sets their day in order, hear my prayer. And then it follows up with, Listen, O God of Jacob. Remember Jacob, the deceiver? You loved him before he became Israel. And I'm in a hot mess right now, and I need you to love me before I become my proverbial Israel. Or Hephzibah, whatever that might be for you, right? So in the same sentence, he's looking at God and saying, you're so big, you're so powerful. You have all authority in heaven and earth. And in the next minute, he's saying, and I recognize in this particular area, I'm missing it right now. But you did it for Jacob, and I believe you'll do it for me. Come on. There's no shame in the body of Christ. I love that verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Because that's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole reason Christ came. So that we could, in our Jacobness moments, or places where we're not quite fully sanctified, come before the one who is sovereign and all-powerful and all-loving and all-faithful and all-knowing and still in those Jacob places of our life receive the fullness of his grace so that we can be transformed into his image. That's the gospel. There ain't no religion in that. It goes on and says, And look at the face of your anointed. Now, I feel like that's twofold. If you're in the courts, you're talking about Jesus, right? The anointed one, Yeshua HaMashiach. But we just discussed this. The anointed one dwells in us. So in the other sense, to the measure we've been transformed, look at your anointed. He's in me. See and notice him, but see and notice the measure to which I look like him now, and I want to look like him more. The king, Jesus, as your representative. In other words, in this moment, the author's pointing to Jesus and saying, remember what he did for me. Remember that you sent your son, your one and only son that you loved. And the price he prayed was enough, even for this issue that I'm struggling with, that I need help with right now. It was more than enough. He's the king, the king of kings, you said, Lord. As your representative, you sent him. Remember, for my sake, remember. Isn't that beautiful? Then Psalm 84, verse 10 in the Amplified says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Why? 
Because everywhere else we go, there is no gospel. There is no advocate. There is no king. There is no one that paid the price. Everybody wants you to hang on the rope of your misdeeds and mistakes. They try to cause you, want you to live by the law. You messed up. You deserve this. No, 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 no. You don't measure up. Right? But in the courts of heaven, we have the advocate. We have the son. We have the anointed one who gets to walk over and maybe, I don't know why I just saw this in my mind's eye, he stamps with the blood of his wrist the price that he paid and said, it is finished. The cost is covered. I paid for this too. Isn't that beautiful? That's why a day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Because righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And as we gaze upon his finished work, mercy and truth go before us and before him. We recognize the reality that we need his mercy in light of the truth of our current Jacob state, whatever that is. But then because of Christ's finished work, because of Yeshua HaMashiach, because of the anointed one, the fact that it's finished, it's always stamped, it is finished. Brent and I like to say, next play. Next play. That's right, Lord. Next play. Amen. I love this next verse. It says, I would rather stand as a doorkeeper at the threshold of the house of my God than to live at ease in the tents of wickedness. Now, I don't know about y'all, but there were some tempting times this year when it looked like the tents of wickedness were having a little bit more fun and a lot less persecution. Anybody can relate to that? And it was tempting. It was tempting to be like, you know what? I'm just going to jump on this bandwagon. I'm just, I'm tired. I want a break. I'm just going to go chill, right? I don't know if you have those thoughts. Maybe I'm just the only, you know, one. Because <laughs> it's been a couple minutes we've been in this. Maybe be easier back at that other place where I used to go. Maybe it'd be easier. If I didn't follow through and do the things I said I was going to do, I just forget all this extra responsibility. I just want to be on TV, right? I'll just do a Facebook Live, make my own thing. Forget the process of actually loving people and equipping the saints to do the work that God prepared in advance for them to do because that's messy, right? But that's the call, right? And I love this. He said, I would rather stand as a doorkeeper. In other words, I'd rather be an usher demoted from preaching to ushering at the house, at the door of the Lord, than be stuck and at ease in the tents of wickedness. So in God's economy, the usher far, far, far supersedes the blessed position and function, even of the Maybe wicked millionaires or whoever's out there looks like they got everything going for them. The two houses, the 15 cars, the good-looking wife. Right? This author had a revelation. And sometimes the world tells us that these things or these ways are what's important. But when we begin to grow, 
when we begin to encounter the Lord over and over and over again, we start to realize, man, he is the only thing that is good. He is the only thing that satisfies me. He is the only one that never leaves me, never fails me, never forsakes me, cares enough about me to always tell me the truth. He's a true blue. The best of the best, my grandma used to say. I love this next line here, and the Lord had me on this for several minutes just thinking about this. I had never thought of it that way before, but it says, for the Lord is a sun and a shield in the Amplified. And I thought that's interesting. The Lord is a sun. So I was like, okay, well, what are the benefits of sun? Like, we know what they are for plant life, right? It brings warmth and light and growth and photosynthesis and allows plants to come into the fullness of what it is he created them to be. But listen to this for humans. The sun improves our ability to sleep and rest in a healthy way because it increases the melatonin in our body. And melatonin calms us down and helps us relax. Any of y'all ever been in the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden you're a lot calmer and a nicer person when you come out? You're like, gosh, I feel so relaxed. I have a better night's sleep. I'm not mulling things over and making 15 different lists of what I need to do tomorrow, what I need to say in that other circumstance that's difficult right now. Right? Isn't that awesome? The sun also lowers stress. Because of the increased melatonin, it, it, and it mellows you out, it takes care of some of the cortisone and the issues that cause stress in your body. So it helps you to have a lower level of stress and an increased level of peace. The sun literally strengthens your bone because of the vitamin D that it provides. You only need 15 minutes a day, and they, for some reason, we'll talk about this in a minute, they say the early sun's better than the later sun. But it strengthens your bones so your bones don't break. Much study wearies the body, Proverbs says, but just get a little sun. You'll be all right. <laughs> strengthen the bones. Keeps us from having dry bones. Come on, somebody. Ezekiel 36 and 37, the valley of dry bones. He is our son. Did you know that the early morning sunlight is connected to weight loss? I'm just saying I'm going to start getting up earlier. I know, I need you to lay hands on me, Laura, for that. But it's connected to weight loss. They've been in studies over in Sweden, and when people that get up early and get outside in the sun for 15 minutes, it helps with weight loss for some reason. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. That was new for me today. I was like, okay, I'm adding that to my list. The sun also strengthens your immune system. Yeah, I didn't know that. It strengthens your immune system. So getting outside is good for everybody. And he is our sun. So every time we're with him, that means he's strengthening our immune system. He's lowering our stress. He's helping us have a healthy weight. He's improving our sleep. It says the Lord is a sun. Studies are also showing to that same test in, in uh, Sweden that it gives longer life. The people that get exposure to the sun not overexposure, but exposure, that 15 to 30 minutes a day, it increases their lifespan. 
for months up to years. Isn't that awesome? So I was pretty excited about that. And then it said that the Lord is not only the sun and does all those things for us, but the Lord is a shield. A shield protects a soldier, oftentimes from head to toe. It deflects both long-range and short-range weapons. So when somebody's coming at you or somebody's persecuting you or somebody's saying something about you, the Lord is your shield. Let him take the hit. He already did. Just place him in front of you. I told a friend not too long ago, um, I was coaching a, a rather difficult case at this time, and I'm sitting at the table, and um, the individual's, you know, operating in Leviathan, so it's arrows, 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 arrows. And Holy Spirit told me one day, I want you to picture the Lord around you as a wall of fire. And every time one of those cruel words comes at you, I want you to picture it burning up. And it was sort of like this. The Lord is a shield. He was my shield in that moment. So I could sit calmly in the meeting. My stress stayed down. I was able to hear with his heart. And he was taking those arrows, and they were disintegrating right before my face. It wasn't piercing my heart anymore. The shield also protects the soldier from debris, right? So if they're flinging cannonballs and there's dirt and rocks flying everywhere, you can kind of turn and, whoop, that's not going to get me, right? The Lord takes that. It could also be used as a shelter from a storm if they're traveling, right? A couple sticks, you're out, you're out of the rain, right? You lean it up just right and you can stay dry. You don't get boot rot, Right? You don't have issues with your feet like some of the other soldiers because you're protected by your shield. Isn't that exciting? In modern days, Israel has the Iron Dome. It's a shield that protects them from ballistic missiles. Things that are intended to bring severe destruction, that shield protects them. And that's what God does for us. We just hide ourselves in the strong tower of his name and who he is. And he protects us. Goes on and it says, the Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who's walk, who walk uprightly. To bestow, the definition of bestow is to be given gratuitously. To be given freely as a gift to be deposited, or to be given to another for safekeeping. I thought that was interesting. So he has given you as a free gift grace, the power to obey him, unmerited favor, open doors, everything you need for life and godliness, right? The fullness of your inheritance and honor. So when you walk into a room cognizant of the reality that you are the Lord's and he is yours, immediately you already have power, grace. You already have favor with whoever's in the room. And you already have honor from the high court that matters most, regardless of how the individuals in the room respond to that. 
says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We walk uprightly because it is finished. And as long as we're leaning our beloved and we continue going back and we're letting our shield do the warfare for us, we're letting the sun give us the strength that we need, right, giving us that long life, we walk uprightly because it's already finished, right? It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about who's. Mm-hmm. Isn't that exciting? Takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Isn't that nice? Then the last verse here, Psalm 84, 11 in the Amplified says, O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favored is the man who trusts in you. When you take everything we've talked about today into consideration, man, what a privilege. We literally are so blessed to be protected and guarded and nurtured by God. What an honor. The last part says, believing in you, relying on you, and committing himself to you with confident hope and expectation. And after you pass through the valley of weeping a couple times, that confidence starts to skyrocket because you realize no matter what comes, he is still the I am that I am. He's the answer for every problem that you have. He's the solution for every strategy set against you. He is the strength for every weakness. He is the hope for every feeling of despair. He is the I am. And we can have confident hope and expectation that we are simply passing through the valley of weeping and we are coming into the place of moving from victory to victory to victory. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Thank you, baby girl. He's so good. So I'm going to add this last little piece here and I'm just going to read it. Because right now in our nation and in the nations of the world, there's been a press. There's been a press. And I think the enemy is tempted sometimes, uh, comes at us and tells us something's wrong with us or that we missed it or that God isn't working all things together for good, but he is, and he is still on his throne. Amen? And we can have a confident expectation. We can have confident hope and a sure expectation that he is bringing something good out of what we're in the midst of. So I'm going to read this. Oops, I apologize. My phone keeps turning off here. Let me see if I can get it. There we go. i got to keep my finger on it. All right, so this is the message version of Matthew 5, what's typically called the Beatitudes. And at night, I listen to the Bible all night long, as long as my Wi-Fi doesn't trickle out on me. And I change the version. Sometimes I'll listen to it in Chinese. Sometimes I'll listen to it in Hebrew. I don't know. I just, that's what Holy Spirit has me do, okay? Sometimes I'll listen to it in the Jewish Bible. Sometimes I'll listen to it in the ASV because I, I hear it differently. Um, and it hits me differently when I listen to it in different versions because each of those writers of those versions had a revelation from the Lord. So listen to this. I th- and I hope this encourages you. And we're just, we're, we'll end on this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. 
what'd he do? He ran away. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is not about gathering. Come on, didn't we talk about multiplication today? Those who were apprenticed with him, the committed, that's you in this room today. I just want to say that over you. Those who are apprenticed with him, the committed, that's you. Climbed with him, arriving at a quiet place. Sometimes the enemy will come along and tell us we've missed it because it's a small, tiny, quiet corner place. But the Lord's saying, no, baby. Mm -mm. You are right where I've called you to be. You are my committed. You are my apprenticed ones. You're the ones that are walking the walk like we talked about earlier. It says he sat down and taught him, taught his climbing companions. I love that word, climbing companions. You are God's climbing companion. You just keep going to the next place like that deer with the hind's feet. You keep jumping up one more level. This is what he said. And I want you to just close your eyes and picture him saying this to you, okay, if you feel okay doing that. Like it's a direct word. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost the most dear thing to you. Because only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you now. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Come on, somebody. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Because then you can see God in the outside world around you. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. Because that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family, I hear, is established.
You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution from others. Because the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, but count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. You know what that means? That the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable with it. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do, says the Lord. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. Come on, the great cloud of witnesses we talked about earlier. You are in good company. They did it to him, they'll do it to us. My prophets and my witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Come on, somebody. Come on, isn't that good? That wrecked me and rocked me today. So just out of your mouth, our activation today is this. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. And there is nothing they can do about it. Amen? Amen. God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up your countenance and give you peace. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.